Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We have a special guest today, Josh. I, I assume it's Lakash. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Lakash. Lakash, or I don't know. I mean, in in okay. So in real life, it's Lakash. But for the sake of just making everything easier for everyone, I've been saying Lakash over the years when I do the show or when I meet people in the sphere. So it's Josh Lakash. Okay. Super easy. Fair <laughs> enough. And you're the uh, the host of Wrong Opinion, which. Uh, yeah. Sounds like it might be kind of an offshoot of some shit Justin Trudeau said last year about the the truckers. It's like uh, um, what do they what did he say? They hold unacceptable opinions, yeah. whatever the hell that means. Yeah, but I, I it was maybe foreshadowing because I I uh, launched the show in like 2020, 2019, 2020 around then. So um, I just I just was seeing what was happening and and also how we're labeled like the basket of deplorables uh with hillary yeah why basket that was kind of a weird way to that was a weird turn of phrase to be honest i never really understood what that meant i was thinking about that the other day i don't know why but you're absolutely right i had the same thought and it, it actually kind of sounds wonderful like nothing ever bad is in a basket you know like a gift basket <laughs> um uh, yeah and you leave uh unwanted children in a basket at the fire department right True and children, but children are still, you know, amazing. And all, or, or what about uh, Moses in a basket? Maybe mm -hmm. Moses in a basket, you know. So nothing yeah. bad is ever in a basket. Uh, I guess it depends on your point of view. Um, I don't know how everybody feels about Moses. I, I'm assuming the the witch doctors or whatever the fuck that he made look stupid weren't big fans of Moses. Right, um, but so that's that's kind of their problem. They were statists, yeah. so I'm not really a fan of that guy. Yeah, yeah, demonic, satanic people hate anything in a basket. So that's a compliment, I guess. Uh, so yeah, I guess that tracks. Yeah. So uh, tell me about the show. Wrong opinion. What is it? Well, look, I'm not an expert with any with with regards to anything. You know, I'm just a normal guy, and I feel like um, because people are afraid to voice their opinions, there can never be too many opinion shows like ours you know um because people can lose their livelihoods they they can lose everything overnight and i think it takes a certain kind of person to kind of not care and to create these sorts of shows where people can live vicariously through us um because before i did my show and i would watch other people's shows maybe like gavin mckinnis and alex jones or whoever i um I always felt like a, a weight was lifted off my shoulders because, you know, it was refreshing to hear someone or, you know, certain people say very sane things that you wouldn't hear from the mainstream or not even the mainstream media, not only the mainstream media, but like mainstream entertainment or just your friends, you know, like normal people. Everyone's afraid to really say what's on their minds. Like I, I, I um, lived in L.A. for 12 years. I'm in Costa Rica now. I lived in L.A. for 12 years and I had friends who were NPCs, like by definition, they were NPCs. They would only talk about things that were pre-approved. And then if I tried to steer a conversation outside of the pre-approved area, they'd kind of like shut it down um, because they didn't know who was listening. Um, maybe they also didn't really agree with it, but um, they they're very afraid that they'll be exiled. And that's everything they have. I think that when people don't have strong communities like if they don't go to church if they don't go to 
you know, if they if they don't believe in a higher power, then everything around them is kind of that higher power. And if they lose that, they lose everything. Uh, yeah, I don't believe in a higher power, but I understand the sentiment. I mean, there, you certainly don't want to be in a. This is this is one of the curses of humanity, just being conscious, right? Like consciousness is is. Um, it, it puts us in the situation where we have to either focus on ourselves or on the things around us. I think it becomes really problematic for a lot of people um, because anytime you spend all your time thinking about, about yourself, it's almost like being uh, it's it's like working in customer service. You know what I mean? Like almost all the input you get is is uh, uh, bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. If people become uh, extremely uh, well, either narcissistic, which I think is a defense mechanism against their own internal struggle, or they just collapse into their own internal struggle. But the reality of life is that every important thing you ever do will be done in the service of other people, right? So however mm -hmm. you can, <clears throat> whatever you can, uh, uh, I guess, build for yourself community-wise and belief-wise, uh, for me, it's just liberty. But um, whatever you can build for yourself to maintain your focus outside of yourself uh it seems like a good idea like yeah i don't know anybody that thinks primarily about themselves who's either happy or a good person you know what i mean right right and that's kind of like <laughs> that's kind of my thing with religion like i i understand it might not be for some people but for the like general health of the average person it's it's probably important in the sense that um whether there is god or there isn't god um it, it, it takes people out of the universe of themselves mm. and everyone right now is in the universe of themselves. And, and like, there's like this thing with young kids, Gen Zers on TikTok, where they, they, they call themselves the main character. It's a thing like main character syndrome. It's their main character. And it's like, man, you guys are, are super, uh, self, self-absorbed, self-centered. And I don't know, how um society can function and and at, at the same time there's this there's this obsession with mental health and and you know our lives have never been easier and there's this obsession and emphasis on mental health like you even have sports leagues like the nhl talking about mental health awareness or whatever and i can guarantee you people who worked in coal mines a hundred years ago never gave a fuck about their mental health <laughs> No one that was I guarantee you no one knew the term mental health. It wasn't a thing. And I wonder what suicide rates were actually back then compared to the, to how they are now in first world countries. Sure. Well, I mean, the irony of the self-obsessed Gen Z culture um, is that their rates of suicide, including amongst young women, which is uh, suicide amongst women, generally speaking, is extremely rare compared to men. Um, yeah. but for young women, for teenage women, it is ex extraordinarily rare until very recently. Right. So, um, the, I, I think it's, uh, double and then triple in some cases, what it is for the general population amongst teenage girls right now. Um, which is that that's not something we've ever seen before. And, you know, it's mirrored. It, it isn't just in the general public either. Like, uh, uh, so what we found in recent military data is that this is for active duty military uh from january to june of this year there were more active duty suicides than all of last year right so we were effectively on pace to double up and the vast majority of the people killing themselves are young soldiers and uh uh, uh young troops who've never deployed before right so it's not post-traumatic stress it is a, a disease that is permeating throughout our culture and it has nothing to do 
with how hard life is anymore, which is a problem, right? Like it's, there's, there's very little perspective for these folks. Do, do they know why okay, that's actually interesting that it's not even active duty and it's not, it's not because of PTSD. Um, has anyone been curious enough to look into as to why? Well, the, so the, the VA doesn't collect data anymore for veterans um, because the data was extremely uncomfortable, right, for Congress to look at. So they don't they don't collect data anymore. As far as active duty, they're required to collect it to some degree. I mean, people are going out of their way right now uh, to, to obfuscate this reality from from the public so they don't see it. But I, I don't give a fuck about what the DOD wants. Um, I know these things to be true. Now, it, it is. Historically speaking, there have been the rate of suicide amongst veterans has been quite a bit higher than that amongst active duty troops. Uh, and now that's kind of flipped a little bit. Not that veterans are necessarily out of the woods yet, but it is it is odd and not ordinary that young troops who are currently serving that haven't deployed yet are just killing themselves in record numbers. That's a very that's bizarre. Right. But it but it does mirror the broader culture like these kids who are. 25 and under are having big problems right now. They have no context for the world they live in. Yeah. Um, I, not only that, but like, it's, um, you know how victim culture is kind of like the thing to strive for now. Um, the, 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 there's no line in the sand anymore. Mm. Like I, I saw, I saw, and I have to go on TikTok a lot for the sake of my show and, you know, so my listeners and or viewers don't have to. It's a cesspool. It's the worst. But I saw this girl post a, a selfie of her crying. And then the caption was, um, pray for my brother. He just tried to commit suicide. My 12-year-old brother just tried to commit suicide. And it's her crying. And it had close to 800,000 likes. And then the update was that her brother did die. But um, the fact that she used that immediately like that was her that was her immediate reaction to finding out the news i must post this on tiktok yeah, i yeah, must yeah. inform everyone that my brother and in and, 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 and a way like made it about herself i mean in, in a sense it is it's a family issue but um i gave an example when i posted about that that norm mcdonald an amazing comedian had cancer for 10 years and didn't tell anyone and we found out when he died and i thought that was kind of um, absolutely amazing. It's almost mm. like we forgot that that was even allowed that, that since we overshare everything and we've been groomed to overshare everything, we forgot that that was an option that, Oh, we didn't have to tell people and he's a celebrity. Mm. So this, this girl like posted, Oh, my brother committed suicide. And, and, and it makes the whole thing seem very disingenuous. Like she's just trying to rack up the likes and the attention from strangers online. And and then not only that, upon further review of the post, I saw that she used a filter. Like it says, when you use a filter, she used like a, a makeup filter. What are you doing? Like, what is wrong with people? And and what I want your, I'm sure your, your listeners know, but um, the TikTok that we have in the United States is not what they have in China. Right. They they encourage good behavior there, and they encourage bad behavior in the United States because um, it's it's psychological warfare, and it's almost like we don't know we're at war with them, and they know we're at war with <laughs> with us. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, uh, the other day, I said something to the effect of. Uh, 
how far into someone's paragraph about an issue or event do they make it about themselves? I think it's a good bellwether. Like if you if it if it's somebody that you follow, uh, let's call it an influencer or some such nonsense, whatever people are called these days, um, or or celebrity or you know member of the media. How far into the dialogue does the story become about them? And if it's uh, you know, I, I think I think if you just pay, I don't know that there's necessarily a uh, an obvious line in the sand where it becomes problematic, but there's certainly <clears throat> there's certainly a uh, I think if you consider that when you're reading people's material, you can tell if somebody is a self-absorbed piece of shit or not, right? Um, yeah. And and then you know it's a good idea just not to listen to that person ever again because somebody somebody that's I don't think somebody's opinion is valuable if it is uh, uh, instinct to them to try to make it about themselves. You know what I mean? It's just it's very uh, cringy. Yeah, I mean, that goes hand in hand with people not practicing what they preach, which I feel like is most um, if you want to kind of zoom into the world of influencers, like you can go into the world of influencers within the conservative movement or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of these people, a lot of the the talking heads, um, the very famous people, a lot of them, they don't practice what they preach. They probably don't really believe in it. Um, and they're all, for lack of a better word, they're all hip- hypocrites. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it's it, it matters who you give your attention to people. Uh, I'm I'm honestly kind of exhausted answering the question when do what do we do to fix things because um yeah it, it no, yeah. no no one is interested in actually fixing anything i don't think because no. um it requires you know effort on your part um and we they're, you know yeah it, go ahead i was just gonna say they're they're interested in grifting more than anything sure certainly the the media personalities i would say 90 percent are fucking grifters yeah. Um, like everybody that has this uh, Saul on the road to Damascus story where they had uh, this moment of clarity when they were uh, a previous liberal progressive person uh, or, oh, or yeah. hold some dumb position. Yeah. And all of us, they're like, oh, all of a sudden I had this idea. And like, no. No, you're, you're not you, you, you read the tea leaves and decided it was more profitable for you to think yeah. this way. You That's found your really niche. Happened. Yeah, yeah you, fa- you found your niche. It's uh, completely disingenuous. And, um, and, and they're actually the ones that kind of like infiltrate and then try to slow down progressivism, but kind of still invite it, you know, invite the degeneracy and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, it's just, it's just filled with terrible people. And, and for the, the, the question as to how, how do we fix things? The best answer I can, I can give at least. And I think that maybe you'd agree is, um, you just focus on on your own family and maybe your own community and that's it and then if if a lot of people do that and they really you know made it difficult for the for the people trying to disrupt normalcy um then i think that's it like like i have a my sister-in-law and her family they live in glendale in california and it's filled with armenians and and uh they are kind of fed up with the liberal nonsense and um the stuff in the schools and they're kind of the only ones pushing back around that area um and that's kind of like a nice example as to what i was just talking about yeah it's interesting people that it it seems like the groups that are um 
kind of pushing back on some of this nonsense are the ones that have some 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 form of strong community whether it's culture or religion or both right so the uh, there's a lot of canadian muslims who are pissed off right uh, right now about some nonsense going up there i think everybody's pretty much seen the armenians in in southern california going to school board meetings and telling people to get fucked um yeah but yeah it is there is some so it, it to, to go back to your point from before religion does provide a number of things that are uh kind of essential to having a strong uh, uh civilization it's like it gives you a sense of community you know which which yeah. you know be, being close to people and understanding them and having shared beliefs increases the amount of empathy you have for them as well i it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of second third order effects of community that are really important it also gives you a moral compass that you share with other people you know if you exactly cross-cultural uh uh morality sometimes can be a tricky debate right this like well who who am i to tell you what how to behave and things like that but when you do have a similar shared belief about how to what, what it means to be good right uh I think adjudicating conflict between one another and then, you know, for third parties becomes quite a bit easier because there's an actual standard. There's an epistemology to the to the morality and not it isn't just made up on the fly. My personal lived experience doesn't trump reality. You know what I mean? And then, of course, there's a sense that something out there is more important than yourself. Exactly. I think is is the last part of that. I mean, it's it is we have we dumped religion and the vast majority of people who dumped it and some people that maintained like held on to religion, but only in kind of a casual way, they never replaced that, whatever it, some people call it the God hole, God shaped hole in their life yeah, yeah. with something else. You know what I mean? Like you don't, we're, we're not a theocracy, so nobody needs to be forced to believe in anything or that or, or whatever. But you know, it, it is, it is accurate to say that your life will be better if you believe in things, you know what I mean? Uh, whether it's yeah, religion I, or something else. Especially everything that they replaced it with is a cheap knockoff of what once came before. And I mean, you even look at like what inspired humans over the and, and, and also the consistency. That's the that's the other thing. Like this is stuff that that was um, that that stood the test of time that that just like worked for thousands of years. And then all of a sudden, because probably of because of technology, world wars, all of these things um, and globalism, uh, they people are just like F that. Um, we don't need that anymore. We're above God. We are God. And then we can just, uh, we just haven't replaced it with anything except with cheap knockoffs. Like what inspired humanity over the past thousands of years um, brought out the best. It brought out, you know, bad things, obviously, but there's always going to be bad things as we can see with how we act today. So, you know, um, it's not like without, without religion, we're all going to be hunky dory. It's not, that's not how it is. Um, But we also, um, what inspired us before, like it, 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 it was beauty. Like we created such beautiful works of art, such beautiful architecture, music, because we wanted to achieve like anything close to godliness. And now because we threw all that away, I mean, just culture is, is, is terrible. Uh, we're not producing anything that's really beautiful or of value or, or that will stand the test of time anymore. And, and partially, I think that has to do with the fact that we don't really care about the future. We were not doing anything for the future. I mean, and if you can see the birth rates as well, like we are not really too concerned with the future. But it's kind of funny at the same time, they're pushing like, as an example, global warming. 
and a climate emergency or whatever you want to call it. Um, but why would that matter if we're not even having babies anymore? Why would any of that matter? What does it matter? You know? Um, so I don't know. It's, I think that people are severely confused. And one of the other things we replace religion with, one of the new things is um, transgenderism, mm. which we were talking about family and we were talking about community. Um, you know, the, the Christian conservatives of the 80s and 90s, maybe the early 2000s, they were always saying how there's a war on family. And we were all kind of like, nah, you're exaggerating. But it turned out to be true. And, and the reason is, and the reason why transgenderism is being so heavily pushed and why they want it to go hand in hand with the declining birth rates is because if you have families, if you have strong families and you have strong communities, then really the government can't um, end globalism. It can't really take root very well. You can't manipulate people who have a stake in the future and who care about um, something other than themselves. But if you start breeding people to be completely self-absorbed and self-centered and, and their only um, offspring is like plants or their dogs or cats or whatever, you know, plant moms. Oh um, my God. Then, then you can really like convince them of anything. And, and COVID was a really good example as to that. Like people really just obeyed. Mm. It was so bizarre, especially like looking back because after the fog of war and you just look back and you're like, holy crap, people really did obey without any sort of pushback. Yeah, it's weird, right? So we... We have effectively in Western civilization replaced serotonin and effort with dopamine and expectation, right? And the results are obvious. We have myopic, dim-witted, uh, sometimes mid-witted, unfortunately, because they can convince a lot of people, mostly dim-witted people who have uh, – uh, they don't we, – we've completely lost the association between effort and outcome now. We just expect a particular outcome. And, I, you know, you, you mentioned um, – kind of how we used to, as a culture, look to the future a lot. Our legacy used to be, like, a, a, I'll speak for for uh, men because I think that that's that's a, probably an easier example to make. But for men, the legacy is find a wife, have some kids, get a job, start a career, trying to like try to improve your life, but mostly it's about trying to give your kids a better life than you had so incrementally, right? Like I want yeah. them to be the first ones to go to college or I want them to be the first ones to start a business or whatever it is, right? Um, <clears throat> and I don't know how we do that now. I think there's a number of problems in Western culture that we are dealing with right now that we haven't figured out how to solve. And that's one of the big ones. It's like, how do we give our kids a better life than we had? Because our lives were pretty damn good and relatively easy, right? Compared to most of human uh, history. It, it's been pretty easy. Very, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what it, so, so I, I guess you have to drill down and focus on what it means to provide a better life. You know what I mean? Because our lives probably would have been better if we weren't latchkey kids, my generation, if we, if we had had more time at home with mom, that probably would have been good. If we would had more time at home, uh, or I'm sorry, more time, uh, spending time around our, our dad. Uh, and then, you know, just the broken home, situation that that became increasingly more prevalent during our time period so you know if you're if you're if you're thinking about now if you're a young man thinking about starting a family and you're thinking about your legacy and what you're going to contribute to society it's that it's repairing the mistakes of the previous generation that that's that's what every new generation should do we should try to build on the lessons we've learned and we should try to repair the mistakes we made this episode of citizen is brought to you by black rifle coffee company 
Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is veteran-operated and supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, rounds, and delivery schedule anytime you like. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. The best value you're going to get from Black Rifle Coffee is the coffee club. As again, you can choose the roast, whether you're like light, dark, or medium. You can choose the texture. You can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee, whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean, or if you use a Keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wide uh, array of options for that. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, use the code CITIZEN, and get 20% off your first order. This episode of Citizen is also brought to you by GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. Right now, GhostBed is offering 40% off GhostBed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code Drinking Bros at GhostBed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years, uh, about the lifespan of the average bed. So it works out great for you, works out great for uh, the company. So go check it out. Go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros. Whether you're in the market for a bed, uh, an adjustable base, whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff, they got the best, the mattress protector, the weighted blanket. They have everything you need there, 30% off everything. Use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. Or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress, get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40% off. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I'm in Costa Rica. Um, my parents were already living out here, and I didn't want to raise my son. Now I have a daughter who was born a month and a half ago here. Uh, I didn't want to have them, you know, live in California. And I, I didn't want the influence there, you know, like. So so I made the decision to to move everyone down here um, so we could live in the same building as my parents. And that's something I talk about a lot is the importance of the generational household. Like there's a lot of reverence for the nuclear family, which I don't know. I don't really agree with in the sense that um, that was this that was this that was the beginning of the end. You know, that that's kind of like what everything we see now is a result of the nuclear family was which was splintered from the generational household, which is how people used to kind of live, whether it be that the your your in-laws or your parents lived with you or they lived adjacent to you. But you always had people that were able to help you. And nowadays, uh you know, the nuclear family, it was like, oh, we're going to move to the suburbs, be away from our immediate family, mm -hmm. our extended family. And and uh, if you need help, get a nanny or, or daycare or whatever. And then the father will go into the city, work and then come back at night. And um, that that was kind of the beginning of the end of that sort of familial community. And the generational household works. I mean, it's it, it kind of like goes back to our roots as to, you know, when we were nomadic and more tribal and i think that you know for instance i think tribalism is good and i think we need to go back to that <laughs> uh to some degree yeah but it's yeah. it's there's definitely um uh i this is a point i bring up a lot in in 
native culture here in, in North America, uh, this isn't true for every tribe, but for many of the tribes, this is, this is something that was common that every older woman in the tribe was called grandmother and every older man was called grandfather. Right. It was like, uh, a kind of an extreme version of what you're talking about, but this is the way that human civilization has been uh, up until probably the early part or the middle part of the 19th century. Right. I think like things like the gold rush or, or prospecting or homesteading and things like that, uh, to some degree, uh, began that process. But for most of human civilization, you didn't like it, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a thing for, uh, your children to move out at 18 and for you to see them, right. you know, four or five times a year for the rest of your life. That's, that's bizarre. Right. I mean, so e crazy. E even in modern Europe, there, uh, uh, in s certain countries like Italy's not like that in Italy, no. you live on the same property with your family your whole life. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah, I, yeah. it's certainly, um, where it, it is, it's, it's, uh, uh, it insulates us from economic pressures that, that cause us to abandon our primary objective, which is to raise our children. Right. Like it, it, we are in a situation in America right now where unless you're independently wealthy, it can be difficult to have a single income household uh, totally. these days, mostly because of, you know, predatory mortgages and shit like that. Like the, yeah. co the cost of things may have gone up, but <clears throat> there's no way, like I bought a house last year. There's no way that doing two weeks of paperwork should have cost me $26,000. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's ridiculous. Uh, I can handle it, but most people aren't going to be able to handle something like that. And we're rent, the the rate of renting has gone up by sixty percent over the last ten years. I mean, so nuts. It, it's it is uh, you know people just don't they don't own anything anymore, right? So that is a that is a solution that makes some sense to me. Generational households. I, I'm not sure how prepared this generation is to go backwards, but I think we should oh, look at not. as as our as our kids get older. I do think that's something we should definitely take into consideration. Yeah, I mean, think about how powerful. Um, a generational household would be like if you know the the if like boomers they get a lot of hate and I understand why uh, one of the reasons is like they they kind of were one of the first generations to be like okay you're 18 go out mm -hmm. go out make make money on your own and then and then they um they live so lavishly a lot of them where they like just spend their money and it's like what about if you just stayed with your family and their kids and lived in a, on a on a massive compound or something and you guys pooled your money money together and and your resources and uh, think about how much more powerful your family would be yeah they do that in italy for sure but this thing about kicking your kids out when they're 18 i think that's like you know I, I, not to get conspiratorial but the rothschilds i guarantee you never did that uh <laughs> for the 500 years or whatever they've been in in, in charge of things um, you know, they keep it in the family. Mm. I think, I think that's a very wealthy way of thinking. And even if you're not wealthy, it's, I think it's positive to think like a wealthy person and you shouldn't kick your kids out. Um, and, and also, I mean, if you think about it, like this thing about pawning off your kids before they're 18, you know, like uh, relying on the school system, relying on day daycares and all that you're really, all you're doing is you're prepping them to rely on the same things when you are old enough for an old age home, yeah. like old, old age homes shouldn't be a thing, but all you're doing is you're like, Oh, okay. You're, you're pawning me off now. Okay. When you're, when you're an inconvenience to me, you're going to be, you're going to be there, you know, when yeah, in reality, it's, wild, old right? people, it's so crazy. I can't imagine doing that. 
and and also I I said this a few weeks ago, but you know the the rise in dementia and and all of that. It, ha it obviously it has to do with diet and lack of exercise and all of that. But I also think it has to do with lack of purpose. Mm -hmm. And if an old person doesn't have grandkids, they're for sure gonna get something like that. But if they do have grandkids and they're still an inconvenience and they're not being utilized, um, they're gonna get dementia probably. But if you keep them around kids, it's gonna keep them young and it's gonna keep them alive and it's gonna give them purpose. Yeah, it's a good point. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's it's that none of the none of the extremely wealthy children of uh, I'm sorry, none of the children of extremely wealthy people that I know who were kind of born into wealth do that. They don't. They may they may have their own places somewhere, or they may be in business for themselves now. But almost all of them, uh, and I don't mean just like dumb, useless trust fund kids. I mean, people that are right, right. people that actually, I, I know people who are born into wealth who have, uh, uh, pretty serious jobs that are, are, you know, very successful in, the, in their own right, but they still right. at every opportunity find a way to go back home. Right. Um, <clears throat> now it's easier to do that when your home is a mansion and not a fucking trailer, but, uh, certainly it is, it is part of the culture, right? It's like, why do we feel, why do we feel the need to escape from our family at this point in Western civilization. It's kind of weird. Like my family sucked, but I, for, for mo like a lot of people that have, you know, uh, let's call it benign upbringings. Uh, uh, there's still that impetus to leave the home for some reason. And I don't, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's part of the culture and I think it goes back to what I was talking about that the powers that be love the transgenderism stuff. They love anything that disrupts the family. Um, I mean, dude, look at e even like, you know, I pay, I pay attention to commercials on TV and yes, yes, there's no more white people. I get it. Like it's kind of annoying. Like white people don't exist anymore. But if you look beyond that, when there is a white person, actually, um, the, the father's an idiot or the house is in disarray. They have kids. The house is a mess. It's in disarray. Like they're really on uh, any chance they get. They're trying to convince people that having a family is the worst thing in the world. You shouldn't do it. Um, do, do you have a family? Uh, no, no, I don't. But do, like, is it something that you want? I, I don't want to get too personal, but if so, if you don't want to answer, you don't have to. Obviously, it's your show. But um, is it something that you would probably want or? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm you know, certainly that that's that's in the future for me. Yes. Yeah. So so I think that you 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 mentioned you had a terrible um, family. And you're probably going to right the wrongs that mm. you experience. Like that's going to be your goal. Right. So so it's never too late um, to, to fix things like that. So people always have the excuse of, of like, oh, well, I had a shitty childhood. I don't want to I don't want to bring a kid into that. It's like, cool, don't you know, you, you're going to be in control of your family. You don't have to do that. You can stop the madness. Um, you can raise happy, healthy kids in, in, a, in a stable home. Um, but, you know. I, I don't know. People are very weak. And, and also, again, they're super fixated on on their mental health. And, you know, they're so crazy and they have all these problems that they, you know, they they uh, they that's another excuse. Like they don't want to impart that on their kids. This episode is also brought to you by Babbel. Right now, get up to 55 percent off your subscription when you go to babbel.com forward slash citizen. If you have an upcoming summer trip abroad, um, my go to travel hack is Babbel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or embarking on your first adventure, communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture. That's where Babbel comes in. Babbel is a language learning app 
that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, there's still time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real-life conversations in as little as three weeks. Babbel's expertly crafted lessons are built around real life. You learn how to have practical conversations about travel, relationships, business, and more. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans. Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers and not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective, and you can choose from up to 14 different languages. In addition, Babbel speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent so you don't sound like an idiot. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, video stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com citizen. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com citizen for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. This episode is also brought to you by FirstForm. Firstform.com forward slash drink it bros. The product they really want you using is the micro factor. It's a complete daily nutrient pack. Now what's in it? Antioxidants, CoQ10, great for heart health, multivitamins, uh, greens and reds, which is to say fruits and veggies, then EFA, which is to say fats that you need. And then they got a probiotic in there as well. It's an easy little pack. You just dump it all in your fucking mouth and swallow uh, probably with some liquid preferably water um they got all kinds of other great products as well uh talking about those meat sticks the breakfast sausages meat stick is the best thing i've ever had in my life and of course they have energy drinks they've got all kinds of stuff over there they got great protein the best supplements on the market if you spend over 75 bucks you're going to get free shipping so go to firstform.com forward slash drinker bros and get those deals yeah that's uh uh whenever somebody makes comments about passing on bad traits or genetics that's all that is always uh self-hatred that's that's where that comes from i think it's a cope i don't think it's real like i think that's a massive cope mm-hmm. um i mean it, it makes uh, i think it's an attempt to uh eschew responsibility in your community while also feeling noble about it you know what i mean which oh, is yeah. uh, kind of pathetic to be honest yeah well i mean everyone advertises their um autism or whatever in their you know <laughs> in their bios everyone all of a sudden has autism uh i do actually think it might be the vaccines <laughs> but but even if it's not um maybe if it plays like a little part in it uh i think that everyone's kind of um faking it it's mm. not real like there are people who are severely autistic yes and you know that where they got it could be a debate but i think everyone else kind of like an accent it's um, you're, 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 it's just learned. You're me- you've been memed into it. You've been the thing is is like you're perpetually online. You live online. You don't interact with people in real life. So yeah, you're gonna have social problems. You're oh, you're afraid to ask a girl out in real life. It's not autism. <laughs> you you've yeah. isolated yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah it, there is something uh, psychosomatic about the whole thing for sure. Where you know people have been. Um, well, a, a number of different things have happened here. One, we've we've begun to, on the social hierarchy, kind of prioritize people who have some kind of affliction, even if it's self-diagnosed for some reason. I don't understand that part of it. Um, uh, you, you know, it can be, it's like any other trait. It's something about you that can be 
good or bad. And it could be, I mean, unless you're like severely autistic, right? There's a lot of people who are uh, uh, high functioning autistic that it, what, what's the point of even bringing it up unless it's in casual yeah. conversation and you're, somebody's yeah. curious about it, but uh, to have it in your Twitter bio seems like a bit much to me. I don't understand exactly how we got here. I think they're faking it. Yeah. I, I, um, there's always like these clips from the eighties floating around, you know, um, there was one that was floating around in April. I, and then I used it on my show on Saturday, um, of, you know, people waiting in line for, I think it was return of the Jedi or whatever. And they're all nerds, you know, and it's someone interviewing all these people in, in the early eighties waiting for the new star Wars movie. Um, but these nerds had jawlines, you know, they didn't look like they were soy infused. Um, they didn't, they, they didn't even look like they were high functioning autistic. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't have autism. Mm. No one had autism. They had jawlines. They were all relatively skinny and they had personality. How, how is it in, in the span of like 30 something years or 40 years, um, that our nerds just became completely uh, like a different species, you know? Yeah. It's weird. So, right? so something, something happened along the way. I, I mean, I think a big part of it is social media and just people just not having any sort of connection to reality anymore. Yeah. And certainly, um, I think it's for people's internal dialogue and how, and, and their, uh, their identity, their self identity. It's, but it's a big problem. And I think it's also a big problem for the more nefarious types of tribalism. You know what I mean? Just the, the assigning yourself to some team or another, whether it be political party or nationality or race or whatever the fuck else, and then, you know, kind of having uh, a standoffish attitude towards anybody that doesn't fit into your end group. That's always going to be a part of human dynamic. But um, when you when you separate yourself from communities like that, it, it's it, 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 it happens way quicker. Right. The, the tide turns against particular groups way quicker. And it's the truth is that it's hard to hate up close. You know what I mean? Like the mm -hmm. whole the whole thing with. Uh, the whole thing with marriage equality in the United States, all the protests and all that bullshit, all the lawsuits, none of that mattered. None of that shit mattered. People started to find out that like their uncle's gay or some shit and like, oh, he's just a regular dude that likes to suck dicks. I don't care about that. That's not that's none of my business. And they stopped caring about it. You know what I mean? And nobody cared about it since then until they started bringing children into it. You know what I mean? So it's like once just just having the temerity to be unapologetically yourself is one half of that equation. And the other half is mm -hmm. you have to be, you have to have the balls to, to just be in the presence of other people and have conversations. Like there's no, there's no version of any civilization where, you know, conversation and dissent are stifled and things work out. Okay. It just doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? Because ultimately it becomes the reverse of a meritocracy and bad ideas uh, uh, all, all it takes is one leader or one group of leaders who will have bad ideas unchallenged to completely butt fuck society, which we're seeing now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, dude, with the gay stuff, like I, I never cared about that. I never cared. And, and now, especially because I have kids and then you see, you see like what's going on in the school system and how teachers are and all that. I mean, that escalated so quickly. Oh yeah. So quickly, and I'm just wondering, like, how the heck did that happen? 
You know, I, I just don't understand. Was it always a part of their culture and we just didn't know it? And then and then it just kind of, you know, the mask is off or and then but like. Or did they get in, in, infiltrated? But then how do you convince like a large segment of the population that that's OK? I mean, one of my theories is the popularization and availability of, of porn mm. um, and that that wormhole that that go you know people go down when they get addicted to that um you know they get desensitized to normal stuff they get into weirder stuff and then they think like that's normal uh and then it permeates through reality and then before you know it everyone's trying to convince us that pedophilia is okay um like i that's one of my theories but was it always a part of (laughs) Was it always a part of that? Well, pedophilia has always been around. I don't know if I would necessarily have associated directly with the gay community uh, because, uh, you know, the Catholics might take umbrage to that since they kind of led the league and fucking kids for a while. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely – I agree with that. I think um, we have – more. I I can't remember any other time in human history where addiction culture was so pervasive. And it isn't just – porn it's it's uh, uh food like people overeat yeah. now and maybe it's yeah. maybe something about it is the availability of these things but drugs like we had what eighty five thousand fentanyl overdose deaths just last year yeah it's ridiculous like it, it's <clears throat> and i wonder if it isn't something um certainly what you're saying about porn and being exposed to progressively weirder shit is going to warp somebody's brain right i mean it, it's Think, think about it like Pavlov's dog. You're doing classical conditioning. Yeah, and you're you're exactly. associating, you know, yeah. uh, dopamine responses to certain types of behavior. And then, uh, you know, what's really funny is uh, uh, teenage boys between 14 and uh, 19 now. So, you know, post-pubescent teenage boys are reporting erectile dysfunction now from ordinary sexual uh uh, that is nuts. Uh, instances are, uh, I'm sorry, um, ordinary sexual events because they've been so conditioned by the fuck up, like the, the fantasy world that they can't like, and they can't engage in a normal way with another human being anymore. So it's, there, yeah. there's definitely a fucking terrible result to this stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Massive, massive problem. The thing also with, um, porn or even weed like all of these things have been completely weaponized against young boys and young men because it extinguishes the fire in their belly that would make them you know uh, a threat to the status quo um if you have them addicted to video games and porn and weed and all of these things um they're not going to be a problem uh you know our founding fathers they were, were what a lot of them were in their early 20s mm-hmm. you know I mean, these those people today would be working in a coffee shop uh, balding their hair. They would be just balding and, and, you know, low testosterone working in a coffee shop or something. Um, But it's just it's just crazy how how it's completely unraveled and devolved. Yeah, it is. Um, And look, there's there's always going to be. Like none of this stuff is new. Pornography isn't new, certainly. Um, the availability uh, is though the availability sh- sure but I mean it's it's the availability of pornography has replaced uh, the ease of acquiring a prostitute right I mean in the middle of the 19th century you could just go to any 
bar in the western part of the United States and pick yourself up a whore, right? So I, I th- there's always the opportunity for addiction, and a lot of people well, but, were addicted to like laudanum, which is opium back then, and sm- yeah. a lot of people smoked opium. There, were, I'm, I'm sure there have always been alcoholics as well. Of course. Um, well, so, I mean, but you're still talking about the modern world in a sense, you know. Hmm. In a sense, that's still the modern world, but like, just we feel. I think we feel it more over the last like fifty to hundred years. It's just gotten really crazy. Sure, yeah, the availability definitely plays a role. So our response to that, I mean, so I'm not. Uh, I am. Uh, I guess I'm. I'm pretty close to an anarcho capitalist. I don't think government serves any real purpose, but um, uh, the so from my perspective, the solution is never going to be to ban things or do any stupid shit like that i don't think uh i don't think i don't think it works i think that's the most important part because criminal organized or organized crime is just gonna replicate that service in some way if you ban it i Um, i think i yeah i think i would be an anarcho-capitalist if um we still had our country like if we had a border if we really did have a border and we didn't have an influx of like millions of people into the country a year and then we would have a semblance of a certain kind of culture or something mm-hmm. but it's being completely eroded now um like i i kind of used to be libertarian but a lot of i mean not all but a lot of libertarians kind of don't really care about borders that's like the number one thing you should care about if anything like that is the thing you know. I, I think if somebody says they're a libertarian and they don't care about the border, then they don't understand the ideology of libertarianism, frankly. Um, that, that's yeah. not a very smart view. And also, what is a country at that point? Yeah, what, what are you yeah. like? What are you even preserving? What is anything? You know, but, you know, we're, we're so exposed to globalism now that we don't even young people don't really understand what the United States is. They mm. probably just think it's a flag. They probably think it's a national anthem and a flag and a certain place on the map. And that's it. Um, because every, everyone's the same all over. Everyone's the same. All cultures are the same, but, um, it didn't used to be that way. And if all the cultures are the same, then they're all shit. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you, you know, a lot of people have different ideas about what America is. Um, I, I would say it's not our government. It's not politicians for sure. Um, I would, it's also not the geography. It's not the 50 states and the territories or any of that stuff to me america is the idea that individual liberty and personal entrepreneurship are the ultimate inoculations to tyrannical bullshit you know what i mean um and and it is a as uh ben franklin said it's a republic if you can maintain it right or if you can keep it i believe is what he said a republic if you can keep it and it's like what what's the underlying thought process there it's that it requires constant attention and constant work you're going to get out of it what you put into it just like anything else in life and just because like the ideology is sound people will these 16 19 knuckleheads and then you know fucking white liberals from the pacific northwest will say things like well it's founded in racism and all this stuff like yeah yeah certainly there are mistakes there's no question about that but if you ask um if you ask somebody, if you if you were able to transport somebody from, let's say, 1920 to modern America, a black person, and be like, hey, do you think we're doing pretty good here? I think uh, Vivek Ramaswamy made this point the other day. He's like, I think that person would probably look around and be like, this is pretty close to what we were looking for. You know what I mean? So it's like that's the that's the idea, though. It's not that we will necessarily ever arrive at perfection, but we strive for perfection. You know what I mean? That's that's the point. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that, that's no longer the point though. Not, not in this country. 
I mean, no, I think that 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 spirit is kind of dying because it's like if you just look at it like a like a club, you know, clubs have standards. They don't let some some people in sometimes, you know, mm. and they let other people in. And our country used to have standards like we would really before. I think it was like the 1965 Immigration Act. I mean, that really started to open the floodgates. We were we weren't allowing so many people in. And then the people we were allowing, they had time to assimilate. No one cares about assimilation anymore. Like I go to Los Angeles now for I have this new gig job that I can't I can't say what it is right now. Uh, but um, I, I go to L.A. now every other week, which the travel sucks, but whatever. Um, and it's completely different than when I moved there in 2010, obviously. But certain areas are are as if like, let's just say Mexico picked up Mexico and they're like, we're moving, we're leaving Mexico, but we're still going to take it with us. And then we're going to plop it down here. And it's like, why did you leave to begin with then? Like, what was the point? And why if you're coming why don't you just come and then you know like assimilate into american culture you know yeah um yeah so, it's 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 it is bizarre right to come from uh uh an abject shithole yeah to a place with the express intent of living a better life and then bringing with you the stupid yeah. shit from before yeah, not not, not to say that all mexican culture is stupid shit but you know if if you're turning neighborhoods in america into favelas and shit like that like just what have yeah just have like some sort of self-awareness you know yeah. but that's the thing people used to move to america and then assimilate and they, they they made it a point to become american you know now people make it a point to just kind of um get as much free stuff as they can and then and then um you know send a lot of that back home but really not change anything not change how they live or think or anything um, I just kind of think it's funny. Like I'm an American right now in Costa Rica and there's a lot of expats here mm -hmm. and I, I I'm going to move back to the States. I just have to figure out where I want to. Um, and, and, and whenever there's like a massive project here or whatever, it's an American, it's an American making like a massive development. That's kind of, that's like beautiful, you know? So it's like, we're coming to these places and just making like cool stuff for the, for the people here. It's the opposite of what's happening in, in uh, like South central, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe that's the way it's going to go. Maybe we're going to become uh, maybe the, uh, the original, uh, not original, but maybe the, the modern American becomes a diaspora at some point and seeds the rest of the world. Um, yeah, it, the world could certainly use it. I mean, Europe is fucked right now. They're it's they're so crazy. You're, so the growth rate in America right now is eighty two percent, which is not good, by the way. Um, yeah. Uh, typically, you want it a little higher than that. I think I read in um, <clears throat> I think I read today that the growth rate all around Europe is something like six and a half percent right now, which is that that is not sustainable. I mean, it's that's no. that's like. Most of Europe is going to be North Africa at some point, right? Yep. That, that's kind of where they're headed right now. Yeah. And, you know, look, it's you, you can do whatever you want. You're, it's your country. You can do whatever you want. That seems like it might be a mistake, to be honest, because North Africa doesn't exactly have the best history of, you know, things like prosperity and human rights and things like that. No. And, I mean, it's sad because the the world benefits off of, as an example, the United States, like a strong, healthy United States. The world, The whole world benefits. 
Um, but I don't know where that's going to come from anymore. So maybe it's going to come from all the expats splintered across the world, kind of like, like you said, seeding these areas. Uh, maybe, maybe that spirit will live on. I mean, that's um, how, that's how uh, Western Civ kind of expanded uh, over the course of let, let's call it a thousand years. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. European travelers or European, uh, I, I, I struggle to call them discoverers because it's hard to discover a place that people already live in. I don't know if that's the yeah. right word for it. It's like, yeah. like, uh, uh, cause I'm, I would love to discover my neighbor's house cause he's got some dope shit in there, but, uh, <laughs> uh it, yeah. yeah, it's like that, that did all, a lot of the, the science and medical breakthroughs, a lot of the financial breakthroughs, and then the spread of things like English common law, right? And then the French idea of uh, a democratic republic and things like that. That's where it came from. It came from people moving from one place to another. So it's not necessarily an intrinsically bad thing, but it is a kind of a silly thing to <laughs> to do it in response to your home country getting all fucked up. You know what I mean? Like we should have been doing this before uh, well, I guess technically we were, but we were just bombing places and then writing them a check and be like, hey, I hope you enjoy democracy, um, uh, which yeah, they never I mean, got. That, that was a disaster. Yeah. So I had we had the right ideas, the the wrong execution, maybe. Yeah. Well, so if we're going to allow all these people into our country, um, I, I came up with a really interesting idea. And were you in the military? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure was. Okay. okay. So what do you think about this idea? Um, the American Foreign Legion. So if you're a male and you're you're of military age, you know, and you're healthy, uh, you your right of passage to the United States to become an American isn't learning who George Washington was and then saying the national anthem or whatever um, or the Pledge of Allegiance. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, your right of passage is you have to join the military and uh mandatory for minimum two years and within the military like they have school and all of that and that's where you learn all of the civics but um you have to be a part of you know protecting our country do you think that's a good idea the american foreign legion um no but yes so let me answer uh so i i definitely think that some kind of mandatory service should be required i think we should eliminate the foreign language classes in high school because they're fucking pointless and replace them with some kind of civil service as a graduation requirement um at first whether it's rotc maybe for some people but i think more along the lines of uh you know uh uh maybe going on like mission style trips to, to foreign countries or something like that if you're you know an upperclassman in high school but mostly it would be volunteering in your local community and stuff like that. And yeah, I think we should require two years of service from people when they graduate high school. I think, uh, uh, it should be, yeah, there, there's a lot of ways to do it, right? You can pick up trash on the side of the fucking highway. You can do it. There's a yeah. lot of things. Um, you can join the peace corps. You can, there's, there's so many different opportunities to do stuff like this. I was thinking about the P does the peace corps still exist? Cause yeah. you don't oh, hear yeah. about it. Yeah, so I mean, it exists, but primarily it's just a through way for people to join uh, the government service, right? So a lot of people who um, who have who intend to join one of the intelligence services or something like that, or work for the State Department, they go to the Peace Corps first to get some overseas experience. But yeah, it still exists. Oh, but it but not like how it was intended. 
Um, no, I mean, I don't know how much good work they do. I think they're, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's probably mostly a scam at this point, like anything else, but sad. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is. But it, you That's know, sad. it is, it is, um, there are so many opportunities to help other people that, you know, and not, not just help them, um, out of the situation they're in, but give them the tools to build for themselves and make us all stronger. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. you know, healing someone has the added benefit of, uh, adding a person to your army and also not having to tend to that person's wounds anymore. You know what I mean? Right. So it's kind of a double impact, uh, in that regard. And, uh, you know, we, we see it as an expense and not an investment though in this country. You know what I mean? That, and it's any, anytime there's any kind of issue like that, an industry builds up around it and the industry becomes just about propagating itself like homelessness for example the homeless industrial complex is a thing now billions of dollars and you're in your former home of la they've spent i think 1.5 billion dollars a year on homelessness and it is the biggest shithole in the entire u.s right now as far as homelessness goes yeah someone's someone's making a killing someone is scamming the government there someone got a government contract and they're just making a ton of money oh yeah uh, but that's how it goes. It's the same thing with like the same thing happened to teachers unions and all unions in yeah. general. Um, yeah. You know, a, a, a noble idea that was supposed to represent people became about propagating itself. And then there's here's six bullet points that you have to believe if you want to be associated with us now. You know what I mean? It's really just all about making money. Um, <clears throat> so I think while I like the idea of a civil service requirement. I don't like the idea of the federal government being in charge of it. I like the idea right. of it being local well, service. Yeah. I mean, when I came up with that idea, I was thinking of like America and its glory days, I guess, doing something like that. Um, Cause you know that today they would kind of butcher it. Um, they would warp it, turn it into something that it's not like, I don't know what you think about Trump, but when when trump was president i was like man if i was younger i probably would want to be in his army you know i it would be cool like if he like you know he's kind of um he kind of was bringing back that 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 sort of nostalgic patriotism that maybe you know i was born in 86 so i it's just maybe from maybe maybe it wasn't really happening but you know it, it kind of he was kind of bringing back a semblance of like pride mm -hmm. for the country again. And, and, you know, I can imagine wanting to fight for someone if, if that's the leader, I can imagine like wanting to be a part of that, but I couldn't, I can't imagine it for, I can't imagine it for Biden uh, or Obama or even Bush. Uh, I just can't imagine fighting for these, um, you know, globalist types, these nation building types. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think people feel that, um, we're definitely seeing it with the recruiting crisis that's going on now. And anytime anybody asks me about how to solve it, I, I always give them the same answer. And it is uh, an old quote from a first century uh, Roman senator. And it says uh, something to the effect of uh, men didn't love Rome because she was great. Rome was great because men loved her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that that's the difference. It's like uh, maybe it sounds trite, but it is. That, that is a reality of the situation when people have pride in something. It's just, it's broken window theory, right? On a grander scale. 
when, yeah. pe when people have pride in something, then they put effort into that thing. That's how it works. When you have pride in being a father, for example, then you put your effort into being a father. When you're told that being masculine uh, makes you somehow intrinsically evil or that, you know, all, all of the other stupid shit that we believe as a culture these days that denigrate hard work, denigrate, you know, the idea of, of commitment and staying around and doing the difficult thing and stuff like that, then, you know, people inevitably turn inward and start thinking about themselves. That's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it was nice to feel some sort of, uh, pride for the country. You know, I mean, it, it, it's so sad how fleeting it is and, and how quickly it, it just disappeared. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, I want that. <laughs> yeah, it was I nice. That. I mean, I remember when, uh, when, we dropped that switchblade on Soleimani in Iraq, right? And then yeah. about an, about 20 minutes after his reported death, Trump just tweeted a picture of the American flag, and that was exactly. it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Super simple. It's like, I don't, I don't necessarily think we should associate all of our national pride with executing foreign leaders and shit like that. Maybe, right, maybe right, that's right. Not, but that one in particular, because that guy was a real piece of shit. He, he was the yeah. guy that, that brought all of the... Uh, EFPs and RPG 29s into, into Iraq. A lot of my buddies don't have legs now because of that piece of shit. Uh, but he's a lot of people don't remember. He was also one of the masterminds of the 83 Beirut, you know, Marine Corps barracks bombings and things like that. He's right. been at it for a long time. So it was nice to wipe that motherfucker out and then just, you know, just say America uh, for That's once. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I thought, I thought we were going to get that back. Um, I don't know. I kind of still feel like somewhere in the future, it might be there. Uh, yeah, it's it's on. I think it's on the horizon now. Um, I, I definitely do, and it doesn't hurt that you know one of the best one of the best things that's happened in American politics in a while is that Tucker Carlson got fired from Fox News because now oh. he's like on a rampage, fucking up yeah. neocons left and right. It's very yeah. funny. Uh, it's was... very entertaining, but it's also really important to show these people show the show everyone exactly who these people are you know how um because i was talking about that the other day uh and that was amazing his thing with the blaze um but you know how they say like uh politicians are liars that's i hear that a lot mm -hmm. obviously um are they because they had the opp every opportunity when they were talking to tucker to lie just lie just pretend like you're on our side you know, and none of them lied. It's so weird. Like being a politician is the easiest job in the world. All you have to do is lie and then, uh, you know, to make us feel good about you and then do whatever you want. And there's no accountability. And none of them lied. <laughs> it was really weird. They were all floundering. Like these were all softball questions. I was amazed. Yeah, it's uh, especially after the polling that's been done recently among from the GOP showing that I think it was 95.6% of respondents said we should not be involved in Ukraine. And then every single yeah. one of those motherfuckers, except for DeSantis and Ramaswamy, I believe, said that we should be involved in Ukraine. It's like, all right, yeah. cool, man. I mean, I your job isn't to have an opinion and then do whatever you can to get elected so you can go do that. Your job is to represent the will of the fucking people, right? You Well, that's that's yeah, allegedly, allegedly that's yeah, the job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. But man, these like they're they're so incompetent. They're not like how could you not be good 
at running for president. I don't understand. Copy Trump. Like, if he's beating you so badly in the polls, just just copy him. I mean, Vivek is kind of doing that. You know, he's he's not really running against Trump. I think he's hoping to be a part of the Trump team, the, the ticket or something. Um, but everyone else is just. They have they probably have the like the worst consultants or something, um, but they're delusional. Like they're completely yeah. delusional. Like, what are you doing? You, I know that the campaign, the people working for the campaign and the consultants and the campaign managers, all those people are enriching themselves. But um, why would Mike Pence do this? I, I mean, I think that the, the only thing is, is they're hoping Trump is going to be put in jail. That's it. That's their only hope. Maybe. I don't know. That's not going to happen, though. So good fucking luck. Yeah. Um. Well, we got to get out of here. Uh, this has been a really interesting and fun show. I like talking about this stuff. Tell everybody where they can find you, uh, where they can Absolutely. find your podcast and all this stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it's on Gumroad. I know you, so a lot of you might not know what Gumroad is, um, but Patreon banned me a year and a half ago after I was on Infowars. So I moved my show to Gumroad, wrongop.gumroad.com. And then on Saturdays, I'm on censored.tv. Um, and yeah. And also, I'm on Twitter, you know, all those places, Twitter and Instagram. Sweet. Josh Lacash. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's Josh Lacash, which is not the way you say it, but hey, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody go check them out. Um, show looks fun, you know, talking about stuff that you're not supposed to talk about these days. Exactly. Um, if anybody's got a problem with it, they go fuck themselves. That's the short version of that. So thank you. Uh, thanks for coming today, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, sir. And thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen.